So the story, in short, is um, Alexander the Great is going back a long, long ways, about um, 2,300 years ago. Alexander, um, a little over 2,300 years ago, captures the um, captures the Persian Empire um, and um, takes over the, um, the entire Persian Empire, which controlled an area spanning from Greece to India to North Africa. And um, after his death, he leaves no successor, and the um, kingdom essentially, the empire divides into many different Hellenist kingdoms or many different Greek kingdoms. And um, Greek becomes the dominant language and the dom- Hellenism becomes the dominant culture in much of the ancient world. Um, for a very long time, Israel, um, where Jews had some autonomy, nominal independence under the Persian Empire, but they were still they were un- within the Persian Empire, um, is under the Ptolemy rule in Egypt. At a later point, it falls under the Seleucid rule um, of the kings based in Antioch in northern Syria. And so uh, there was a king called Antiochus IV who um, decided to forcibly Hellenize all the people in his empire. So he, he wanted that everybody in his empire, but particularly the Jews, should be forcibly Hellenized. Now at the time, many Jews at that time already were Hellenized. In other words, they had already adapted Greek culture. They were dressing Greek. Many Jews were only speaking Greek, while most Jews at the time spoke Aramaic. That was the spoken language of Jews at the time. Many Jews had adapted Greek, Greek culture. They had even translated the Torah into Greek. Um, And um, they were very much culturally Greek um, and had dropped many of the original commandments. However, um, many Jews were still faithful to Torah and the temple was still standing in Jerusalem. And so Antiochus attempted to forcibly change the entire Jewish people and force them to become Greek and Greek-like, including forcing them to give up many unique Jewish customs, such as circumcision, keeping Shabbos, not eating, um, eating kosher, um, not worshipping idols. They built, big, um, they built big stadiums, which was a Greek cultural thing. Um, they brought um, statues into the temple, and there were even he even installed high priests, Hellenist high, high priests, who would lead to turn the temple um, from traditional Jewish service to a more Hellenized type of service. So, um, as Jews were being forcibly Hellenized, there was a fellow called Matisyahu who was from a town called Modi'in, which was um, just north of Jerusalem, and uh, he. Um, was the son of Yochanan, the high priest, an earlier high priest. And um, he led a rebellion against the Greek empire. The Greek empire at the time was a very powerful empire. And he called um, whoever will follow God, wants to follow God, follow me. And people hid in the mountains and hid in caves. And um, they attacked Greek garrisons. And um, they kept Jewish law. At first, they refused to even desecrate the Shabbos, refused to fight on Shabbos. But the Greeks figured that out and would have tried to attack them on Shabbos. So they realized they needed to fight on Shabbos, as Jewish law, of course, allows, um, if your life is in danger. And um, they, they began to, they won one victory, one small victory after the next. 
until they managed to chase to um, chase out all the Greek garrisons from the Holy Land. Some major um, Greek armies were sent against them, and they managed to vanquish those Greek armies as well. And after a couple years of fighting, they managed to free Israel from Greek rule and declare independence and create an independent Jewish kingdom. The first time for the first time since the, the before the destruction of the first temple. Uh, yes. So, so Jews were actually fighting against Jews who had been. Uh, Jews were fighting against Greeks aided by other Hellenized Jews. Yes. But they were fighting against other Jews. Yes. I have a friend who said she uh, doesn't like Hanukkah because it was about Jews fighting Jews. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Very good point. So, um, so anyway, they come to the temple, and the Talmud tells us as follows. The Talmud tells us they came to the temple, they rededicate the temple, and the word Hanukkah actually means dedication because they dedicated, they rededicated the temple. The temple had the temple had fallen to. Um, disrepair um, over the years of war. Um, the temple idols had been brought into the temple. The temple had been defiled with idol worship and um, by the Greeks. And so they cleaned up the temple. They removed the altar, which had been used for idolatrous sacrifices, and built a new altar. Um, the, the, all the gold in the temple had been stolen. They built a new menorah. They didn't have money for gold, but they built it out of tin. That's all they had. And they, um, they rededicated, the t- they rebuilt the temple, fixed it up. And then they wanted to rededicate the temple, but they had a problem. They did not have any oil that was tahar ritually pure. For oil to be used in the temple, it needs to be tahar ritually pure, not touched by anyone who is tamay, um, including not being touched by any non-Jews. Um, the oil that they used in the temple had was all sealed. If it's sealed, then it's okay. Um, but all the, all the oil stored in the temple, the seals had been broken off all the oil stored in the temple. They didn't have any oil they could use. It would take eight days for them to get new oil um, from Tekoa in northern Israel where oil was produced. And so they found miraculously one flask of oil. It was enough to burn in the menorah for one day. Miraculously, it burnt for eight days until they got new oil and they saw that as a sign that God was with them. And because of that, every year after that, we celebrate Hanukkah and we light the menorah for eight days. Days um, celebrating that great miracle of the oil. Yes. So, um, what had to stay lit was like, what do we call it? An eternal light that is in every temple. The, no, the, the, so this is the temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem was the place, um, the holy temple, where the whole, the Ark of the Covenant stood, um, where the golden menorah in the temple stood where um, we brought sacrifices to God. Um, the Kotel is the last remnant today of that temple. We don't have any temple today. We have synagogues, which are homes of prayer, but we don't have any temples today. We can only build a temple in that spot that God designated for it in Jerusalem. But this light had to, it had to burn... It was lit every night till the morning. It burnt every night. It was, it's a mitzvah in the Torah to light the menorah every night. And it symbolizes the great light of, Ju- of Judaism, the light of God. We have menorahs, and we actually have an Eretz Tamid. We have a flame that burns always in front of the ark. Um, those are all symbolic. That's, obvi- that's not the same as the original menorah, but those are just symbolisms because we don't have the temple today. So a couple of years ago, they were talking about the New York Times. There was an article in the New York Times a few years ago um, by a um, columnist over there, David Brooks, Jewish columnist. 
about why he doesn't like Hanukkah and why he doesn't think we should be celebrating Hanukkah. And he argued that the Greeks at the time were the most advanced culture of the time. Um, the Greeks at the time were, um, were well-versed in sciences, in astronomy, in philosophy. Um, they, they had art. They were great, great at art, at sculptures. Um, they were at sports. They were an advanced, a fairly advanced society for that time. The Maccabees were a bunch of radicals. That's what they were, radicals that refused to bend to the times and insisted on these old Jewish practices. Um, and uh, they were a bunch of radicals who um, managed to fight, become independent. The independence didn't last very long. It lasted for about 80 years in total. The independence really didn't last very long. And the truth is that the Maccabees, own ch- the Maccabees themselves, after gaining independence, seized power for themselves, which we believe was wrong. They seized power for themselves. And then by the next generation, their grandchildren already were corrupt and, um, and despots and were despotic leaders. And by the time the Romans came, 80 years later, um, the Jews were glad to have relief from the Maccabean rule. So... The Maccabees were originally a bunch, a bunch of, um, a bunch of um, extreme extremists um, who did not want to bend to the times, who did not want to follow modern culture, and um, they ended up being despots. Why should we celebrate the miracle of Hanukkah today? We're celebrating the victory of some religious extremists. That was his argument. Yes. Talk about the temple, and that the temple would have to be rebuilt on the Temple Mount. Does that mean that the whatever the Muslim thing is now on the top of there would have to be a, uh, extricated? We did a class on that, but that's for another time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes or no is good enough. Uh, so yes. Maybe because um, without the concept and all the values and everything in Judaism show that we need to survive amidst all of the other people trying to convert us and so forth. Without the Maccabees, we wouldn't have Judaism today. We wouldn't have survived. Excellent point. Very good point. So the truth is that David Brooks in that same article points out another interesting point about Hanukkah. If you read the book, we have... A um, bunch of books that never made it into scriptures, of course, because they were written well after scripture. They were written in Greek. There's a Hellenized, there's a Greek book called Maccabees. They made it into the Christian Bible, some versions of the Christian Bible. Um, there's a couple of them, books called Maccabees. They were written originally in Greek. They were written by Hellenized Jews, probably grandchildren of the original Maccabees. The original Maccabees, their own grandchildren, became Hellenized, became very Greek and um, probably wrote Greek, and wrote books about their grandparents' um, military victories. And over there we know most of the details of the story of the military victory from those books of Maccabees. Um, Now, if you read the book of Maccabees, it tells all about the great military victories that they had. Nowhere in the book does it mention the story of the miracle of the oil. It's not mentioned there at all. 
It's not mentioned anywhere in the books of Maccabees. Why not? Why don't they mention it? The some historians will tell you, well, the miracle of oil was made up later to explain why after we lost our independence we should still celebrate Hanukkah. But we believe that the miracle of oil did go back. And we always celebrate Hanukkah this way by lighting candles every night to celebrate that miracle of oil. But why did the Maccabees not mention it? They didn't, ca- they didn't care for that miracle. Now, if you read the Talmud, the Talmud tells the story of Hanukkah too. When the Talmud tells the story of Hanukkah, it mentions very briefly that um, the, Maccabees, um, the Maccabees rebelled against their Greek, um, the Greek rule. And, um, and, and um, declared independence and went to the temple. And the Talmud tells us in great detail how they dedicated the temple, they fixed up the temple, and they looked for the flask of oil. And all it tells about the story of Hanukkah is uh, the whole story of the oil. That's the only story that the Talmud tells us. So what we actually seem to be having over here is there's actually two different versions of the Hanukkah miracle that may be getting a little confused. There's two different stories of the Hanukkah miracle. There's a story told in the book of Maccabees. The story told in the book of Maccabees is a Greek Hellenist story about how the grandparents of the Hellenists, the Greek Maccabees, had fought and won all these amazing victories against these mighty Greek armies and won and became independent. That's their story. That's not our story. We have a totally different story of Hanukkah. Our story tells us that when God created great miracles and managed and a number of few, um, few Maccabees or few um, people, few um, Jewish soldiers managed, or rebels managed to overcome the mighty Greek armies and we came to the temple and we lit the menorah, God created a great miracle where rather than the light lasting for Uh, rather than the light lasting for one day, miraculously it lasted for eight days. Why is that the great part of the story? Wouldn't the story be the great military victory? Wouldn't that be the great story? Why is the... Sorry? It is. It's not. But it is. It's part of the story. Well, it's, it's told very briefly. The main part of the story. And in fact, we don't do anything on Hanukkah to celebrate that military victory. All we do is we light the menorah. We light the menorah to celebrate how the la- la- oil lasted for much longer. And to tell the story. And the story includes... The it includes a military victory. It does. It does. It's part of the story. But it's not the central part of the story. It's about hope. It's about hope. It's about God being with us. So let's go back a little bit. The battle is purely human, whereas the miracle is purely God. Excellent point. The battle was human. Without the military victory, there is no miracle. Excellent point. And Roberta's just made the same you point. You can't rely on miracles. Absolutely. It's part of our whole Absolutely. So let's go back a little bit and talk about the battle between Judaism and Hellenism. <clears throat> 
We Jews have a, had a very, very advanced culture for our time. We were reading and writing more than 3,000 years ago in the days of Moses, well over 3,500 years ago. We were reading and writing. We had discovered the Torah. We had had a revelation by God. We had complex set of laws, com- complex theology. Um, we were very well advanced. We understood astronomy, which was part of our laws, um, and mathematics and geometry. But we, had a compl- we were a very advanced people. Um, when everybody around us were backwards. Everybody around us were backwards. They were still pagan. They were extremely um, unsophisticated. But then, with the Greek conquest of the Persian Empire, we met another great people. We met the Greeks. The Greeks also had a long tradition of writing, also had a long tradition of poetry, also had a long tradition of literature, of philosophy, of ideas, of, um, and they were also a very, very advanced culture. And these two cultures, having met while we lived side by side for a, number of to- for a number of years, at a certain point there was a clash between these two cultures. Many, many, many years earlier, the Torah tells us that Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Yafes. Ham is the father of Africans, that's North Africans, Egyptians, um, North, North, Berbers, North African groups. Um, Shem is the father of the Semitic, the Middle Eastern people. And Yafes is the father of the Aryans, the Indian and European peoples. The, um, Noah blesses his children. He says, Yaft Elohim liyafet v'yishkon ba'ahalei God will be beautiful, will give beauty to Yafet, and will dwell in the tents of Shem. The Talmud tells us that Shem and Yafet all had, each had many, many descendants. They each had many, many nations that descended from them. However, one tribe of Shem's descendants stood out, and one tribe of Yafet's descendants stood out. Of Shem's descendants, the Bnei Yisrael, the children of Israel, stood out. They became God's chosen people, the people to whom he had given his Torah. Of Yafet's descendants, the Yevanim, which was the Hebrew word for Greek, stood out. The Greeks stood out. They were the ones that discovered wisdom. They were the ones that discovered wisdom of the arts, wisdom of literature, wisdom of philosophy, wisdom of science. They were the ones that really discovered wisdom. And for a long time, although we knew about each other for a very long time, we lived somewhat far away from each other, across the Mediterranean. We did, we did interact a little bit, but not all that much. Scripture describes going back to um, people going to Greek islands. In, uh, so we did, there was some interaction, but not much. However, with, with Hellenization as... Um, with Greek conquest and Hellenization of much of the Middle East, we ended up clashing with the, these two great cultures. Culture of Judaism and the culture of Yefet ended up clashing. And this particularly, and many Jews struggled between the great culture of Yefet, Hellenism, that's Greek culture, and the great culture of 
Judaism or the teachings of our Torah. It was a struggle between the two. It was a clash between the two. There were differences. There were, of course, many, many differences between the two. Um, one was um, the Greeks were, at least to some extent, still idolatrous, although many Greek philosophers were not, no longer believed in the idols. Um, they had philosophies were perhaps somewhat different. Greeks thought we were crazy, that we believed that killing children was wrong. Aristotle believed that um, the eth- it's ethical to kill children so that society doesn't grow too quickly and so that um, uh, and, and, and children that are going uh, that are handicapped um, so we, we had different belief systems there were clear reasons to clash but there was one very fundamental difference between Jewish culture and Greek culture there was one very very big difference we believed in one God we kept Shabbos we circumcised they didn't do any of that they ate pig. We That's didn't do three. that. <laughs> Sorry? That's three. No, so I'm just <coughs> copying with those. Are those minor differences? No, those are minor differences. There's one underlying difference between them. And that is, in Judaism, we believed that our goal in life, our purpose in life, was to serve God. When God took us out of Egypt, Moses told us, God tells Moses, I am taking them out of slavery in Egypt to become my slaves. You are my people. Your goal is to serve God. Your goal is to follow God's mission and role for you. You're here on a mission. Your goal is not to live a happy life. Now, you'll fail in your mission if you're not happy. Because depression (laughs) depression is the worst um, it's, you won't succeed with depression. Um, you'll fail in your mission if you're not living a healthy life. You'll fail in your mission if you don't feel fulfilled and satisfied. But your, that is not, your goal is not to be happy. Your goal is your mission. The Greeks had a different kind of life, a different kind of belief. They were ultimately hedonistic. They believed that the ultimate goal in life was pers- what today they call the pursuit of happiness. Person should be happy, enjoy life, eat, drink, because tomorrow you're going to die. That was their slogan, right? Live it up. Um, the 21st century version of that is um, the bucket list, right? All the things that you need to do before you die, so that you would have achieved all of those. The millenniums. Well, they believed in having. They believed in the body. They believed in sports. They believed, in, um, they, they believed in art, they believed in culture, but all of these were an end of themselves. It was an end that they appreciate, what, appreciate sports because you appreciate beauty, because you enjoy it. Appreciate the, um, build your body for beauty. For It was all about beauty, and it was all about living life to the fullest. Being the best you can possibly be. That was the Greek value in life. Now. That was for the educated. Nothing in Greek writings, philosophy, talks about the thousands and thousands of servants that enabled them to be philosophers. Yes. 
Well, part of living life to the fullest is sometimes other people need to suffer for me to live life to the fullest. Right? That's why they believed in infanticide, killing babies too, same reason. So these cultures clashed. And so while we, we know that there were movements to Hellenize or to encourage other cultures to adapt Greek culture, as a rule, the Greeks were very open to other cultures. In every place that they came, they adapted the local gods. They came to Egypt, they adapted the Egyptian gods. They came to Syria, which before the Greeks came was called um, Aram, Aramea. They um, adapted the Aramean gods. They came to Babylon, they adapted Babylonian gods. Wherever they went, they adapted local gods. They adapted local culture. They liked local gods. They liked local culture. Our tradition tells us that the reason why the Greeks struggled with Judaism is they couldn't stand the sacrifice in Judaism. They couldn't stand the concept that we serve something higher than ourselves. Which was why one of the things they went after was circumcision. They really didn't like circumcision. Why do we circumcise? It's a covenant with God. We do it to, to, as a sign um, on our bodies that we have a deal with God. We have a mission and a purpose in life. They didn't like that. They didn't like mitzvahs that weren't convenient, like Shabbos. Shabbos was a very inconvenient mitzvah. Um, it meant that one, one day a week you um, shut down. They didn't like that. And so they didn't like the mitzvahs that, um, they didn't like kosher was an inconvenient mitzvah. They didn't like mitzvahs that were very inconvenient. They were okay. They translated our Torah. They liked the wisdom of the Torah. That they were okay with. They liked our wisdom. They liked some parts of our culture, but they didn't like the fundamental parts of our culture, the fundamental Jewish belief that we're here for a higher purpose. We're here for a higher core. And many Jews were taken by it. Many Jews became Hellenists. Many Jews were drawn to Hellenism. And the Maccabees were a handful of people who said no. Who fought for Judaism. Who fought to, um, for a, their greater calling. Who fought for something greater than themselves. The Maccabees are our heroes not because they were great military heroes. Not because of their military prowess. Not because they were able to succeed militarily. That's not why we um, look up to the Maccabees. But because they were prepared to sacrifice. Because they were prepared to sacrifice for a higher calling. For something beyond themselves. And that is why we don't celebrate so much the war, victory of war. Because the victory of war is something temporary. That's something that um, the Greeks would celebrate. A person's might. A person's strength. We don't celebrate our strength. We celebrate that God protected us. That God saved us. And the way we celebrate that is by showing the great miracle of the oil. What's unique about oil? What's unique about oil? So oil is one liquid that doesn't mix with anything else. If you pour oil into a cup of other liquids, it always floats to the top. It always stands above. It always stands beyond. And that's what set our people apart. 
the fact that we always were prepared to sacrifice, we're always prepared to stand beyond, we're always prepared to stand above. Not that we lived a happy life, not that we tried to live a life of, ha- of uh, fulfillment, not our own physical strength, not our military might, but our, what we always celebrated in Judaism was our sacrifice standing for something higher, standing for a higher calling, for something beyond ourselves. So indeed, the Maccabees' victory did not last very long. As I mentioned, their own grandchildren themselves were drawn to Hellenism and became Hellenists. Though they were rulers of Israel, they became Hellenists. And they were such bad tyrants, we were glad when the Romans came. And we lost independence. Um, Jews lost their independence. um, And we've lost our land. Um, We've gained it back since. But we've been in exile for many years. Yet we continue to celebrate Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah celebrates not a military victory, but our survival. The fact that we continue as a people, um, and we continue with our mission and our purpose, and we don't give in to just live life and be happy. We don't give in to just seeking fulfillment, but we live for a higher purpose, and that higher purpose, Judaism, has continued throughout all these years, despite all the many years of persecution, um, we've managed to survive. We've managed to survive, and not only survive, we've managed to thrive. And now, this battle, unfortunately, still rages today. We still struggle with this battle today. We live in a society today, there were times that society may have adopted values in Judaism, um, other religions that came from Judaism perhaps adopted the Jewish value of sacrifice, of living for something higher. But we live in a society today where our society has become very hedonistic, very materialistic, very much believes in the pursuit of happiness. Live life to be happy. Live life to its fullest. Make yourself happy. If you can make yourself happy um, by doing maybe not the ideal thing, Do whatever your heart tells you to do. In Judaism, we don't believe that. We don't believe life is about happiness. We don't believe life is about following your heart. We believe that life is about following your mission, doing what you've been instructed to do, sacrificing for something greater, doing what you're told to do, even when it's difficult, even when it is inconvenient. And that's what we believe is the value of Judaism. Not... Not, um, not being a hero, not military might, not um, independence, not happiness, not fulfillment. Our goal is to do what we're supposed to be doing. Even when others are threatening us, even when it takes sacrifice to do what we're supposed to be doing, we still do what we're supposed to do. And that is why we have survived. A couple weeks ago, and I think I spoke about this briefly, but I want to mention again, a couple weeks ago, there was a terrible attack in a synagogue in Pittsburgh, anti-Semitic attack. And every time this happens, um, 
we always ask ourselves again, are we doing enough to, what do we do to protect ourselves? Right? It's always a question that we ask. And over here, we've made some big changes, as you all know. Um, and so, uh, but this question always arises, what do we do to protect ourselves? And every time I hear the same suggestion, we need to give all Jews martial arts classes and um, gun training. And every Jew has to get themselves a, um, every Jew has to get themselves an automatic weapon. And so if anyone ever starts up with you, you will be able to respond to them. But whether that's a good idea or not, I do not want to get into that debate right now. I don't want to get into that question right now. But I do know one thing. We have survived over the years. The Maccabees won the war of Hanukkah. We celebrate Hanukkah not because of our strength, not because we were the strongest, not because we were able to protect our family. We survived because we sacrificed. That is why we survived. We survived because we've always been prepared to do the right thing, even in the face of challenge. That is what allowed us to survive. Not our, um, not our fighting for independence, not our search for happiness, but that we always tried to do the right thing. We always do, did what we were commanded to do, what God wanted us to do, even when faced with adversary, even when faced with challenges. Today, uh, many years ago, fortunately not too many years ago, um, Jews faced a terrible extermination. Um, 70 years ago in the Holocaust, we lost a very large number of Jews. Um, in, and unfortunately, we faced many of these. And yet, we're, we survived. We're still here today to tell the tale. Um, today, in, um, to, tonight... At the Brandenburg Gate in, um, in Berlin, um, the president of Germany will be lighting a menorah, a giant menorah at the Brandenburg Gate, and which teaches us, and the reason why this has happened, the reason why you... The reason why we survived, the reason why this has happened is not because we were the best fighters, not because we lived, we, not because we tried to be like the Greeks and, or like others that beckoned us to be like them, but because we stood and we continued going. And because we stood proud in what, what, and re- recognized our mission and what we're supposed to be doing. And that is our lesson from Han- for Hanukkah. Our lesson for Hanukkah is not the military victory. The Hellenist the grandchildren of the Maccabees celebrated the military victory. Our lesson for Hanukkah is that we survive because we're oil. We survive because we rise above. Because we stand strong. We do what we're supposed to do. We do what we're commanded to do even if it takes sacrifice. We recognize that we're here for a mission for a greater purpose. We're not here just to live life to its fullest. We're not here to enjoy life. Although enjoying life makes it easier. If you have a happy life, we'll make it much easier to fulfill your mission. Um, But we're not here to fulfill our bucket list. We're here for a greater purpose. We're here to follow what God wants of us. And that's why our people have survived. And that's our mission to the rest of the world. And our Hanukkah lights light up the world with that message. The message of we are not here just for ourselves. We're not here um, to live a better life. 
but we are here for to make a better world, to do what God wants. Yes, Elise. Were there Jews outside the 